need to share uh, with the church. And uh, it's not a very popular theme, but it's a needed theme. Really, when we understand this theme and this aspect of God's character, it really makes the more popular characteristics of God uh, even more beautiful. And so we need to be sure that we um, are hearing the whole counsel of God and hearing all about God and how God is and how God operates. So let me give you some background. The, the name of the prophet Nahum means comfort or consolation or relief. And so uh, we're going to see here about his prophecy. It was a very focused prophet um, and he proclaimed the doom and destruction of a city of an area called Nineveh. Now you'll be familiar with Nineveh because Jonah was a prophet to the Ninevites. Remember God sent Jonah there to Nineveh, but Jonah rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord and he found a ship going down to Tarshish and he paid the fare thereof and he tried to run from God. God sent a storm and God sent a big fish, swallowed him up and took him to Nineveh. How about that for a cruise, amen? Riding in the belly of a whale. And so uh, we see here that in particular he prophesied that God would destroy the capital, 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 um, which is um, in Nineveh, the Assyrians, they were wicked people. And uh, we're going to look at some reasons that God condemned the city. But keep in mind, the Ninevites, they were not Jewish people, they were Gentiles. And this prophet deals with God's destruction of the Ninevites. And so, if I had a title to give the message tonight, um, I would just say this, God's wrath. Uh, you know, that's a subject we don't hear much about, isn't it? That's a subject we don't really, if we're walking in the Christian bookstore, we're not looking for a book titled, God's Wrath. Uh, we're not looking for a book titled, The Judgment of God. We're usually looking for the God is love, and God is life, and God is light. Uh, but keep in mind that God's wrath is just as real as God's other attributes. And I think it's important that we understand that, that we don't have only a lowly, meek, and mild Savior, but we have one that's full of judgment and wrath. And that's very, very important. So let me start by giving you a verse of Scripture uh, found in Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9 and verse number 10, you're going to be very familiar with this. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. Now, sometimes we like to tweak that word fear and say, well, what that really means is respect or reverence. And while it does carry the meaning of respect and reverence, it also carries the meaning of something else. And guess what that is? 
fear. It means to fear God. And uh, it's healthy to fear God. Amen? And I believe that the fear of the, the Lord is what keeps us from evil. And it is what reminds us of the weight and the magnitude of our life and our decisions that every one of us must give an account to God and that God is going to reward us one day. And so as believers, we know and understand that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. Amen. Thank God for that, that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath, that we had stored up wrath for ourselves. But Jesus died and satisfied. The Bible says He was the propitiation. He was the appeasement. He satisfied the wrath of God. So we can't not preach about God's wrath because if we're not going to preach about God's wrath, it doesn't make real good sense why Jesus had to die. He had to die. Why? Because God has wrath. And that wrath must be satisfied. And uh, keep in mind, when we speak of God's wrath, uh, God's not like you and me, right? Uh, we put up with stuff, right? We put up maybe with uh, misbehaving children. Maybe we put up with stuff uh, from a misbehaving spouse. I don't know. Uh, maybe we put up with stuff from a misbehaving boss or maybe ladies or men that we work with. We put up with stuff and we finally say, that's it. I've had it up to here. I'm not taking any more. And then what do we do? We blow up, right? We blow up. We get angry. And uh, when, 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 you know... <laughs> As they say, when mama's angry, ain't nobody happy, amen, when she's fed up. And uh, it's funny, daddies don't get that privilege ever, right? It's just kind of weird to me. Uh, how? Never mind, we'll move on. Um, so what was I saying? Brother Red, help me. Say amen, somebody. Uh, what I was trying to say was uh, uh, God's not like that, amen. God doesn't blow up. God doesn't put up with stuff and put up with stuff and then eventually blow his cool, right? He doesn't just blow his lid, right? Uh, he's a very, very patient, very loving, very articulate God. And even his wrath is a demonstration of not so much his anger as much as it is about his love. Uh, listen, God's wrath is rooted in God's love. And uh, he must uh, punish sin. He must punish sin. But he never does it for selfish gain. He does it very controlled. He's, he doesn't fly off the handle. Some of you may have a bad experience with maybe a, a father or a mother that when they had enough, they would maybe hit you uncontrollably or beat on you or slap on you or pull your hair. Uh, God's not like that, okay? Um, he doesn't just blow up on us out of control. Um, he knows where to lay the spankings, amen? He knows where to uh, judge our lives. Um, I remember some years ago, I, did I tell you the story about my the day that a pair of diamond earrings showed up in my mama's dryer? Did I ever tell you all that story? One day we were young boys and mama came and said, I want to know who stole it. And we was all, me and my brothers were like, who stole what? She said, I found diamond earrings in the, in the dryer. And I was thinking, well, we don't have holes in our ears. Why in the world would we steal diamond earrings? 
And she said, that's it, I'm telling your dad. She said, who did it? We, I didn't do it. Zach said, I didn't do it. Joe said, I didn't do it. She said, I'm telling your dad. And so I said, look, one of y'all need to fess up. Like whoever took the, the earrings, he said, tell the truth. And everybody was sticking to their story. So dad got home and mama went and told dad she was a tattletale. She told dad that somebody had stole some diamond earrings and she found them in the lint there in the dryer. And dad, he was uh, calm this day and he said, well, boys, I'll give you five minutes. Go to the back bedroom, figure out who stole it. I'll just whip whoever stole it. But if you can't figure out who stole it, I'm whipping all of you. And so, uh, long story short, one of my brothers, he stepped up the plate and took the beating for everybody. Uh, I found out a few years ago, he didn't even steal them. He just figured, well, I might as well take the whipping for everybody. Uh, but may I just say this, God's not like that. God doesn't say, well, I'm just going to whip all of you. No, God knows every detail of every life. And uh, his wrath is just and his wrath is right. So let me give you just some things about the wrath of God. Uh, I want you to see, first of all, the reality of God's wrath. It's very important. The reality of God's wrath. Uh, I want you to look with me in verse number, uh, chapter number 1. And I want you to uh, start following along with me in verse number 3. Nahum 1 and verse 3. And I want you to think about the reality of God's wrath. The Lord is slow to anger. Amen to that, right? And great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Uh, you may be thinking, well, there's a lot of wicked people getting away with a, with a lot of things. They seem to be able to do wrong and cheat and steal and lie and uh, operate in an ungodly way, but they still have so much money or they still have so many things going their way. Uh, why is it when uh, I try to do right that things seem to go wrong in my life, but when they try to do wrong, things seem to go right? The Bible says, hey, look, don't worry about that. The wicked will not get away with what they're doing. Uh, no one ever gets away with sin. You may be thinking, well, I know someone that got away with it. Listen, trust me, God will not let any wicked person get away with any wicked thing. He says here, uh, The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and make it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Did you notice what the prophet said? No one is going to be able to sweet talk their way out of God's anger. No one is going to be able to pull the wool over God's eyes about their life. No one is going to have a slick 
speech and a smooth talk with God. Amen? Uh, no one can stand before God and stand before His anger. But then thank God that what He says in verse 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trust in Him. God knows those that trust in Him, and God knows those that are ungodly and wicked. Amen. Now, we may look out and say, well, I don't know who belongs to Him and who doesn't. Look, God does. God will never pour His wrath out on anyone that trusts in Jesus Christ. And God will not miss judging any soul that rejects Jesus Christ. In other words, there's nobody in hell tonight that trusted Jesus. God didn't say, oh my goodness, I missed one. And look, there's nobody in the third heaven tonight that is there without trusting Jesus Christ. No one slips by God. Nobody slips in on God. There is no back door there. You can't bribe your way into heaven. You can't lie your way out of hell. God, He will judge the ungodly and He'll bless those that trust in Jesus. Now, we've got to understand this about God. He's not missing a thing, brother and sister. He is not missing a thing. I know we get all bent out of shape about politics and who's getting away with what and who's doing. Listen, God's going to settle every issue. And it's not up to you and I to settle the issue. It's not up to you and I to fight about the issue. Let's give it to God. Let God sort it out. Let God settle every issue. I promise you, no one's getting away with anything. Amen? Listen, he says this in verse 8, But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. Now it's very important. Where everyone on earth is not God's child. You got to know that. Everybody on earth is not God's child. Now, there are some that want us to believe that everybody's God's child. Listen, everybody's created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. And look, God does have enemies. God has enemies. Um, guess what? You and I have enemies. You say, no, Brother John, I don't have enemies. Well, then why did Jesus say, love your enemies? In other words, an enemy is anyone that does not follow Jesus Christ. In other words, the people in your life that don't follow Jesus spiritually, they are your enemy. And we're to love our enemies. We're to love God's enemies. God has enemies. That's a strong word, is it not? But listen, God sees the lost, unredeemed world as an enemy of God. Not only are they God's enemy, God's their enemy, right? Uh, they're mad at God and God's going to judge them one day. So he speaks about the enemies of God. Look what he says in verse 9. Why do ye imagine against the Lord? You know, there's some people that they have all these imaginations. Well, when I see God, if there is one, I'll, I'll tell Him how it is. And these, they, they imagine all kinds of things against the Lord. He will make an utter end, God will, 
Affliction shall not rise up the second time. And then he goes through here, the rest of uh, chapter 1, and speaks about just the wrath of God. So I want you and I to keep in mind, even in 2022, God is still a God that has wrath. He's not evolved with the times. He's not up to date with who people say He should be. He doesn't vote. He doesn't look at our life and decide to change who He is. There's still only one way to escape the wrath and the judgment of God, and that is the lovely Lamb, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to escape and flee from God's wrath than to run straight to Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And God is still going to sentence every lost soul to a devil's hell. And listen, hell is not the party place of Satan. I've had lost people say, well, I'm just going to drink it up down there with Satan. I'm going to smoke it up down there with Satan. We're going to run around and drive our whatever kind of vehicle. We're going to live it up down there in hell. Y'all can have heaven. We're going to live it up. Listen very carefully. Hell is not Satan's palace. Listen, hell is God's furnace. Hell is a place where God's wrath is poured out for all eternity upon damn souls. And so there's no party there. There's no celebration there. The Bible says there's weeping there. There's gnashing of teeth there. The Bible says it's dark there, but there's a fire that burns all the time. It's a bottomless pit. And uh, it's not a place of celebration. It's not a place of rejoicing. It isn't a place of worshiping Satan. Listen, Satan who has deceived so many souls is going to be under the wrath of God just like every lost soul is under God's wrath. So don't think that hell is some place separate from God. No, it's the actual, it's the living fire, it's that burning fire, the wrath of God. And that's a a scary reality that there's people there right now that are enduring the wrath of Almighty God. And uh, boy, what what a miserable thing that is. Somebody said one time, well, I'd never serve a God that could punish someone for eternity. Uh, The punishment doesn't fit the crime. Uh, Listen, brother and sister, uh, we got to realize this. Um, We serve, we, we sin against a completely innocent God. And when you sin against an eternally innocent God, the consequence is eternal judgment from God. And if you study your Bible closely, and you'll study when God pours out His wrath on lost people in the end, and when God pours out His judgments and His vows and His seals and His bowls, the Bible says, and they repented not. See, when God's wrath is poured out on the sinner, it doesn't break their heart. It makes them more angry at God. It doesn't break their heart. See, when you saw the wrath of God, you broke and you got saved. 
But their souls in hell today, they're cursing God, they're mocking God, they're fighting God, even in the wrath of God. We see that God's wrath is real. Uh, Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter number 1 and verse 18. Romans 1 verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says, For the wrath of God is real, brother and sister is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen, God is a God that is going to pour out His wrath upon men and women who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You can study Romans chapter 1 and understand more about God's judgment. Let me give you Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh, here it is, the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Listen, God is going to pour His wrath out upon every soul that disobeys the gospel message. That disobeys the message. What is the gospel message? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? You say, is it I'm being saved from sin? Yes. Am I being saved from myself? Well, yes. But ultimately, I'm being saved from the wrath of God. When we say we're saved, we need to understand we're saved from God's wrath. And God's judgment. How are we saved from the wrath of God? Jesus stepped between God and man and hung on a cross and and He paid the penalty, the wrath of God for my sin. And He drank every drop and He satisfied every drop and He swallowed it down and He tasted God's wrath for me and God's wrath for you. And I can say, free at last, Free at last, free at last. Why? Because Jesus paid my sin debt. See, brother and sister, the salvation of our soul is only sweet when we understand that God's wrath is real. It's real and I deserve it. I earned it. It's the wages of my sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. The forgiveness of sin. I don't have to be under the law of sin and death anymore because Jesus paid the price. See, that's why we worship Jesus. He paid the price. That's why we serve Jesus. He paid the price. That's why we're not ashamed of Jesus because He paid the price. Without Jesus, there is no Savior. Jesus saved us from God. Hallelujah. And thank God for that. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 6. Colossians 3, 6. For which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Let me give you one more. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials 
of the wrath of God upon the earth. And so listen, brother and sister, God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth. Just like rain fell from the sky in Noah's day, listen, so fire will rain from the sky in our day. And God is going to judge all wickedness on this earth. Listen, if you've not ran to Jesus, if you've not entered into the ark, if you've not come into the family of God, I beg you in Jesus' name, stop playing with sin. Stop playing with the world. Stop playing with the flesh. Stop putting it off and run to Jesus. We don't know when the end is coming. And God's wrath is not to be, it's not to be reckoned with. Amen? It's not to be reckoned with. We see here the reality of wrath. I think we need to know, guys, wrath is real. Listen, teenagers in particular, I know it looks like that the cool and the popular thing to do is to defy God and mock God and, and defy sexuality and all these things. But listen, all those people that are cool and influencers, uh, they look real high on life. But listen, if they don't turn to Jesus and repent of their ways, they are going to drink the cup of God's wrath for their own life. And so don't be led by the world. Don't be influenced by the world. Uh, adults, same thing for us. Don't be influenced by the world because the world is passing away. Let me show you number two. We see here in Nahum, he says, look, God's wrath is real. Yes, God is love. Amen. But don't forget, God in His love is going to judge unrighteousness. Number two, I want you to see the object of God's wrath. In chapter 3 of Nahum, we see the, the object of God's wrath. Remember, God's speaking here about His judgment on Nineveh. In verse 7 of chapter number 3, And it shall come to pass that all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemoan her? When shall I seek comforters for thee? Uh, let me share with you uh, something that may be hard for you to believe. And it's sobering. God says here that there'll be no one that will mourn or bemoan for Nineveh. There'll be no one that's broken hearted over Nineveh. Over Nineveh. Sometimes as believers, we think wrong. Here's an example. Well, if someone in my family isn't in heaven, then I'm going to know they're in hell. And how can I enjoy heaven knowing someone in my family is not here? And then I'll know they're in hell. You ever thought that? You ever heard someone say that? Can, can I share with you a sad reality? When you see and I see the goodness and the glory of God, we will worship Him more for throwing our wicked family member in hell. We will applaud God for damning our own mother when we see her wickedness against this holy God. In other words, you will not weep and you will not cry for people that are not in heaven. You'll rejoice that they got 
what they earned. Now, I know it's hard to settle that right now, but trust me, when you see the innocence of God and how He blessed their life and how He took care of them and how they mocked Him and cursed Him and defied Him and trampled His blood and mocked His name and belittled His sacrifice, you'll worship God. I know that's hard to believe, but no one will bemoan those in hell. You know, it's amazing. Lazarus didn't say, Oh, Father Abraham, I feel so bad for that rich man. Let me go. Lord, no. He said he's giving what he deserves. I know that's hard to realize. Look what he says in verse number 18 of chapter 3. The shepherds slumber, O king of Assyria. Thy nobles shall dwell in the dust. Thy people is scattered upon the mountains. Listen, and no man gathereth them. You hear what God's saying? God's saying, when I judge Nineveh and Assyria, everyone's going to know that they deserve what they got. That, that, That breaks our heart now, doesn't it? It breaks our heart now. When we know someone that dies without Jesus, we know they go to hell, even though we preach everybody into heaven at every funeral I've been to. Have you ever been to a funeral? They said, well, old Bob's in hell today. <laughs> they don't get up and say, well, you know, Bob hated church. He hated Jesus. He hated the Bible. He cussed out every witness that came to his house. But bless God, he's in heaven today. My goodness. I believe more lies are told at funerals than anywhere. You don't have to say amen, but it's true. Listen, we see the object of God's wrath was Assyria and Nineveh. Let me tell you why. Two things. Number one, because of their inhumane army. Their army was so wicked and so inhumane. Uh, The way they would defeat a city, the way they would conquer a city, they were so wicked in that. And God never tolerates the inhumane treatment of people. God doesn't tolerate that. Uh, In chapter number 2 and verse number 12, look look how he describes their inhumane treatment of the people they defeated. Look what he says in verse 12. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps. You know, God has no problem when you get enough. Right? There's no issue when you do what is enough, but it's when you go beyond that. Um, it's the same way in our law. You know, if, uh, if you physically defend yourself, you're safe. But if you go beyond reasonable measure, you become criminal, criminal right? You can defend yourself enough, but if you go too far, then you become the criminal. Look what he says. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps and strangled for his lionesses and filled his holes with prey and his dens with ravens. See, he says, look, you kept taking, you kept hiding, you kept getting, you kept, and the armies were so ruthless. Do you know why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh? Because he disliked the Ninevites. 
because of how ruthless they were. God told Jonah, was it 40 days and I'll destroy the city? Was it 40 days? I believe Jonah, this is my sanctified imagination. God said, Jonah, go down to Nineveh. Tell them in 40 days I'll destroy everyone if they don't repent. I believe Jonah said, 40 days? I think I can outrun God for 40 days. If I can outrun God for 40 days and get to day number 41, God has to judge Nineveh. And I believe Jonah set out on a race to outrun God for the next 40 days. And God said, no, sir, you can run, but you cannot hide. And God sent out a storm and a fish and took Nineveh, Jonah down there to Nineveh to make them preach to them. Jonah, he wanted them to die. Jonah wanted them to go to hell. Jonah wanted God to judge them. Jonah knew the prophecy that they were going to be judged. And may I just say this later, they were. They had a great revival, but they were judged. We see here the object of his wrath was the Ninevites. I want you to see also, secondly, there was all kinds of vices in the city. Uh, In chapter number 3... Verse number four. And let me just say this. Um, Be humane. Be humane in how we treat people. Amen? Um, Look what he says in chapter three, verse four. Look at the vices in the city. Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. The city of Nineveh was full of debauchery, full of witchcraft, full of all kinds of ungodliness. All types of ungodliness. And listen, God poured out His wrath upon them for that. And I want to end with this. And let me just say this. Every, everyone that's born into this world is a sinner. Well, that's hard to, to accept, is it though? But everyone's born a sinner. I want to say this. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And listen, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the wages of our sin is death. Ultimately, the second death, which is the wrath of God. And listen, the Bible says if you only sin at one point of the law, we're actually guilty of breaking the whole law. So, How much sin must be committed for me to be an object of God's wrath? Very simply, one sin. And brother and sister, every person on planet earth deserves the wrath of God. And we have the answer. We have the remedy. We have the solution that can save men from the wrath to come. Uh, I love watching that. It's hard for me to read the book, Pilgrim's Progress. It's it's just hard for me to read. But I love the movie. (laughs) The movie's cool. And it's like pilgrims fleeing from the wrath to come. Fleeing from the wrath to come. 
And we need to flee from that to Jesus Christ. Let me give you the outcome of wrath. I want you to see the outcome of this. You can see this in chapter number 3 and verse number 19. And I'll be finished. Um, Notice what he says here in verse 19. There is no healing of thy bruise. Thy wound is grievous. All that hear the brute, which means news, of thee shall... Listen. See, this is, this is hard to believe. Shall clap the hands over thee. Good job, God. They deserved it. Yes, Lord, your glory demanded a payment for sin. God, you're right. That's what I'm telling you. In heaven, you're not going to side with a devilish soul against God. You're not. You're not going to say God was wrong. You're going to say God was right. We're going to have a sanctified mind. We're going to have a glorified body. We're going to see things as they are. We'll know as we're known. We'll understand the depth and the goodness and the grace of God in a way that we can't even imagine. And we'll be, we'll be on God's side. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually? Listen, the outcome of wrath, listen very carefully. There are no exits in hell there are no exits in hell once someone dies without Jesus they come under the manifested wrath of God immediately right now we live in some of the passive judgment of God We do. Um, One of those particular judgments of God that we see in the earth right now is homosexuality. Romans speaks of that, that when men burn in lust for other men and women burn in lust for each other, that that is actually the wrath of God and the judgment of God seeping through now. In other words, they're under judgment and that's why they're so perverted. God gave them over. God gave them up. You see? Because when they knew God, do you know why that's why so many Christians are coming out as homosexuals? Because they knew God's Word and rejected God's Word. And God has judged them. You say, can they repent? Absolutely they can repent. But you have to realize it's not so much their choice as it is a judgment on their life. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. And and it's not popular to say that. Um, brother and sister, the object, the outcome of God's wrath is for eternity. Brother Jim sang tonight. He sang tonight. 
the reason I say that about homosexuality, stop comforting people in their sin. Okay, we got to stop comforting them in their sin. We must call them to repent because real wrath is coming. And God wants them to repent. He doesn't delight in that. He doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked. God desires they repent. Brother Jim saying, he says, when we've been there, he said 10 million years. He said, I don't know if you heard, he said, when we're there 10 million years. Um, Listen, those tonight under God's wrath in the pits of hell, after they've been there 10 million years, they're no further down the road paying their debt than the first day they got in. It's eternal. It's eternal. And you know, it's sad. There's a lot of souls, I believe, down there that said, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in thy name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in thy name? And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. There's a lot of church members in hell. There's a lot of Baptist preachers in hell. There's a lot of deacons in hell. There's a lot of Sunday school teachers in hell tonight. Why? Because they never had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm telling you, the wrath of God is real. I had a preacher friend say, if I could just lift up the corner of this room and let you see into hell for two seconds, you'd be the most dedicated soul winner in all of history. If we could just see into hell. And what's happening there right now. Listen, God's wrath is not a subject that I enjoy or I like. But listen, it's a subject we need to be reminded of. Why? If you're lost, get saved. Come to Jesus. Listen, if you are not being faithful to share the answer to man's greatest problem, which is Jesus Christ. I pray this can motivate us to be soul winners and witnesses for Jesus Christ. If you've never been saved, you can call on Jesus and He'll save you. Amen. He'll save you. So, church, love you. What a heavy message. My goodness, what a heavy message. And um, pray. Pray for each other. Pray for me. I know anytime you, I preach a message like this, my goodness, usually all hell breaks loose somewhere. And all hell was already breaking loose. I figured I'd go ahead and just throw it out there anyway, right? Uh, Hey, I love you in the name of the Lord. I do. I love you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And uh, thank God we're serving Him together. Amen? And I want to pray. And um, after I pray, uh, Brother Red, you want to pass the plates? Yeah, we can do that. John, David, and Deacon. Okay, we'll we'll get uh, old Gimpy here. Y'all come on up, fellas, and we'll pray, and uh, y'all can take up the offering. Um, John David, you can walk down this side. Most, most, most everybody's kind of in a little circle there. Deacon, he's a little more flexible. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. God, I fear you for your severity. God, I know that you are love. God is love, and you so loved that you sent Jesus into the world so that we would not perish in the wrath of God, but that we could be saved. God, 
I ask you to save any soul here that's lost. Lord, I pray you would help us to see the lost people in our lives as a mission field. God, help us to plant the seed, to water the seed. And God, we know and trust you to give the increase. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross in our place. Thank you that he drank the cup of your wrath so that we could be saved, saved, saved. God, we need you every step of the way. Help us, God, to be faithful until you call us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.